Well, good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing tonight? Lala? I'm great. How are you? Wonderful. Hello, Brian Barber, Gary Spikes, Aussie Sue. Oh, everybody's starting to filter in. So what we got going on tonight? Tonight is Bigfoot. I don't know much about it, but a couple weeks ago, I put something on my Facebook asking if anybody ever had experiences. And like 50 people wrote me. I really didn't know that many people had experiences. He's real. (laughs) And so I'm ready to hear more about it. We're going to have like three weeks of different people coming on coming on so well welcome so let's go ahead and start bringing them in we got matt mark barb greg and i got a few more coming in here christopher and ron murphy welcome everybody nice to have you hey it's good nice to be here thanks for having me thanks for having me on do you guys want to go around real quick and introduce yourselves? And if you have any books you want to talk about or anything, you can bring talk about it. Ladies first. Let's do All right. Okay. <laughs> Hi. I think I know a lot of you. Um, I'm Barb Hartman, and I am a mom and a grandma, and I live in Washington State. And um, I have a clan of Bigfoot living in the woods next to me, and they like to sit around on our in our yard and. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and throw things at my camera, at my our home. I have I get great results on our um Arlo home security cameras, which are IR. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Matthew. Uh there was one more lady in there, is it then? All right, cool. I uh, I'm Matthew. I'm with uh the paranormal not like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's the holidays. Uh, hey, is this a little bit show. better for you, Matt? There you go. <laughs> All right. I dig, I dig. Uh, I'm part of a paranormal show called Mostly Ghostly with a gentleman named Ray Booten. We talk about all different types of uh, unexplainables. Very cool. Yeah. Ron Murphy. Oh, I didn't know if we were going clockwise, counterclockwise. Not I sure. don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It looks like I'm on some sort of strange filter as well, too, but I assure you I'm not. I'm not sure what's going on there. Your skin's really clear though, so that's good. Well, thank you very much. That's what I'm going for. That's right. That's right. Um I've been studying uh uh Bigfoot for probably thirty some years. I mean, you know, uh ever since I've been a child, I've been interested in the subject. And um, you know, I still look for the answers behind all these questions, exactly what is it and and, and and why is it here and does it belong here and all that other good stuff. Thank you. Interesting. Christopher? Uh, yes, good evening. I'm a psychic remote viewer. I'm also with the Mutual UFO Network. I'm with the paranormal group Something Wicked and i uh, also a photographer. Nice. Great. Next. My name is Greg Ogles. I'm from Alabama and part of a film group called Relic Films. And we have uh, recently put out our first documentary. It's called The Legend of the Downey Booger, Chronicles a Legend from Alabama. And uh, we, 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 have, we have actually caught some really interesting stuff in our film. So. Oh, interesting. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mark? 
Hey guys, uh, my name is Mark Bolden. I'm a paranormal researcher and cryptid enthusiast and also the creator of the Dark Doorway podcast. Uh, I'm actually uh, right now in the uh, planning stages and uh, of getting together a couple documentaries in 2024, one specifically on uh, Bigfoot encounters. So look for that. Interesting. Nice. Have you all had experiences or are close to someone who's had an experience with Bigfoot? You just throw it out there. Yes. <laughs> not not personally, but I know someone that did have uh, experience. Yeah. Was it? Did everybody have a good experience, or was it scary? Because uh, I don't know. I've never had experience before, but it's interesting to me. Yeah, I think the experiences are in the eye of the experiencer. It it, it affects people in different ways. Um, I've interviewed people who were, you know, these big burly kind of mountain men guys. And uh, whenever they saw that there was nobody around, they would burst into tears because it affected them in such a way that their whole perspective on life changed. You know, and th that is the thing. Like, we're, we're, the witnesses see something that should not be there, right? According to our science, this should not be taking place. And what they have to try to do at that point is trying to make some sort of sense about what they saw. So I think that when we talk about any kind of experience, it's very personal and it's going to affect everybody differently. You know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, one of the things that, um, that I've noticed in researching different cases, um, you know, cause obviously these cases are worldwide. They go back for uh, many, many years. Uh, some of the earliest documented cases in North America, of course, were in the early 1800s. And then of course, with the indigenous people, it goes back much, much further, but some of the things when it comes to personal experiences with Sasquatch, Yeti, uh, Yowie, whatever you want to call it, it seems that people who have an aggressive stance seem to have more of a violent or aggressive encounters with Sasquatch. Whereas, you know, you got your campers and your hikers that just seem to be in the area. It, one of the things I always found interesting was they tell a story of, you know, it chased me. It was always right behind me. And, it, and you're talking about an, an, a, an animal that can move through a forest, heavily wooded areas with ease. I mean, way faster than the average human can, but for some reason, it could never catch up to that human being that was running for his life trying to get back to the parking lot where their car is, which indicates to me that you're, it, it really just clearly wanted to get you out of the area. These are yeah. intelligent animals. Mm -hmm. However, in cases of like Vietnam with the rock ape, where, uh, you know, Marines talked about these encounters with these things, those encounters were usually, usually violent, you know, because you're talking about a time of war, people kept weapons, or if you're talking about cases where hunters were involved, um, which to an animal this type might even be an invader in its space, where they may look at this as uh, something that they don't want in their area. Those encounters seem to be a little bit more aggressive. You know, you have the cases of like the Headless Valley with the miners and things like that. You know, a lot of these stories that did not end well. And then if you even look at uh, some of the things that David Politis writes about in his Missing Nine, uh, Missing 411 series or mm -hmm. Steph Young and, you know, Something is in the Woods and all these other uh, encounters, you got people that just clearly went missing. And even David Politis has alluded to the fact that some of these could be uh, misadventures with this cryptid. So mm -hmm. I, I think those, like you mentioned, those personal experiences, they, they are relative to the person, but it, it could go, you know, south really quick if you're out there with I intention to be aggressive or to hunt one or, or even, right. you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me piggyback on that a little bit. Um, Warren Coleman uh, stated several years ago that he believes if Sasquatch is ever going to be found or ever documented, it's going to be uncovered by a team of women. 
not men, because like you said, my friend, people go in there very aggressively. Um, and there's just uh, an antagonism, I think, whenever you are dealing with men, just by nature. Um, and I think the more of these reality programs, these reality ghost hunting programs proliferate, um, that the, the, the violence towards uh, Bigfoot uh, has, has has changed exponentially. I mean, they had a program on not too long ago called Killing Bigfoot, right? So the idea that there is some sort of research going on out there is really in in, in the teams involved. And I think that women go about it in such a, a more uh, gentle way than men that I think that if there is going to be proof that this creature does exist in flesh and blood form, it will be uh, found out by women. You know, I'll, I'll go out and say when, I, when we first started uh, with, our, with our film, we wanted to go out and, you know, prove the existence of Bigfoot, you know, just like, you know, you see on TV with all these other uh, filmmakers. But as we um, evolved in our research and um, just our stance involving Bigfoot in general, we thought, it, you know, proving the existence of Bigfoot would actually be counter productive for Bigfoot, because as soon as you do, the government's going to get involved. And when the government gets involved, they destroy everything. Mm -hmm. They won't be able to go out into the woods, you know, because there'll be a protected habitat. And, you know, one thing's going to need lead to another. And eventually, you know, the government might try to make them vote or something, you know. Uh -huh. <laughs> they would like that. Another reason for the Democrats, right? Yeah. <laughs> There does seem yeah, to be. So, so, so we, we've actually, uh, we've got some really good footage of something crawling on film between us and this, I'm going to call it an orb for lack of another, another word, I don't know what it is, a little light phenomenon that we always see in the woods. But uh, the, we, we accidentally caught this thing crawling between us and the, and the orb. Wow. And that was scary. It's, it's really, really good footage of it. Uh, when you can blow up the, the screen and, you know, you can enhance the footage some. Uh, but we've kind of, we've thought to ourselves, and if we've ever had extremely clear footage, we've debated whether or not we were actually going to show it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of people think that way when they actually come across the, mm -hmm. the what do you call it, the golden footage or the money shot? Right. Yeah, the money yeah, shot. Of, yeah, a lot of people protect it, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So what I, are your... I just was going to say that I, I'm sorry. Um, I think that um, it behooves Bigfoot or Sasquatch, whatever we want to call them, um, to not be aggressive toward humans because if they start to go out and you know become aggressive, rip people apart, you know all this. That's what is. People will have no tolerance for that, you know. And then, like right. I said, the next thing you know, the special forces whatever will go in and, and with good reason and then they're going to hunt them down and kill every one of them and and um mm -hmm. and that would be and i think they're smarter i think that they're i know that they're smarter than that i think they're you know yeah. just i really do so it would behoove them to just not to be aggressive unless they are protecting themselves their their homes their right. their their little ones oh, you know i mean that only makes sense somebody comes in like you're talking about the um the soldiers in vietnam well i mean you know, they see them with these weapons and, and you know, the, every all, all of the turmoil and the, and the hurt and the, you know, terrible of, of war. 
they are going to be, you know, let me, let me get rid of these, these things, you know? And so I think the rock throwing mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. You know, yeah, these, these encounters it. with the rock apes in Vietnam were usually, they were usually pretty violent. Like, um, there were there were t stories told by Marines where um, in these encounters, I mean, they they literally are firing on these things, and these things are just keep they keep coming at them. Mm -hmm. They pull and they and they did police their dead and pull their dead out the area. So when you talk about them being intelligent, yeah, obviously, obviously, so they have their own language, whether it's wood knocks mm -hmm. or those chatters or the or the or the yelps and yell of um, uh, the the noises they make. And mm -hmm. then there's always. And you guys can definitely chime in. I'd really be interested to hear what you guys think on this about the correlation between uh, Sasquatch sightings and UFOs, because mm -hmm. there seems to be correlations between those as well. You know, mm -hmm. you see these orbs, you see UFOs. Some people right. reported even seeing them come down <laughs> out of a beam of light, or they've just generally been in the area. And it's really interesting to try to figure out exactly what's what's the connection. Interestingly I, enough, on, a, on an expedition where we were filming last year, uh, one of my uh, filmmate, one of my crewmates, and I, we actually saw a beam of light wow. in an area where we had a very good, clear footage of a of a Sasquatch. So we're in the exact same area, uh, not not at the same time, but it, it was the exact same area, and we saw this this weird beam of light uh, come, you know, in in the sky. So um, you know, just, I, I don't know if it's just coincidence or what, but it, there's something, some kind of definite correlation to it somewhere. Right, Barb, I, okay. I was wondering if Barb has uh, a photograph of any uh, light anomalies on your property. Yes. Yeah. I get, I do get that on, I, I definitely get that on, on, on the video. Um, right. And it's just unexplainable and just weird. Um, Almost like, you know, like a, like a, like a big sphere sometimes will just, mm. Kind of now, I can't right. say that that's you know, I can't say that that's a portal or that's a UFO or anything, it could just be a big light anomaly, but it is interesting. Um, but now, Grizzly and I, we have a show on Thursday on his channel on Thursdays, and we'd interviewed a woman that had video, Jennifer Appleton, um, and she actually had video of one coming out of the wood line and there was a big bright light right grizzly like yeah. behind it i mean uh -huh. and it certainly looked like and there was no reason for there to be there's no light source back there like that so but so there would be no reason for that light source to be back there but so it certainly looked like that but you know can't say for sure so interdimensional beings i, I think they are actually yeah, yeah. Do you remember? Uh, you remember one of the stories that came out of Skinwalker Ranch when uh, when um, uh, Robert Bigelow had his original NIDS team out there at Skinwalker Ranch. One of the uh, two of the researchers that was out there, I guess uh, one of them had his binoculars. Another one had like an infrared infrared viewing device. I don't remember if that, if he had an infrared, but either way, one of them saw a uh, pinpoint of light form in the night sky. Mm -hmm. It got bigger and bigger, and then at some point, it opened up to the point where they saw blue sky on the other side, and they did see. Yep something Whoa. a silhouette of something that resembled a bigfoot mm -hmm, come right. out and dart off into the darkness so and and even in yeah, and even in cases like uh with the uh what was it um that uh, expedition bigfoot um mariah major and her team when they looked mm -hmm. out i mean they saw something on the other side of a river i remember in one episode and it sort of kind of resembled the was it the movie uh predator where you have this Mm -hmm. uh, this visual distortion moving along, and that's this is also something that's consistent with what other experiencers have seen, uh, where they see this visual distortion. So whether it's 
able to cloak or whether it's able to move interdimensionally that that's mm -hmm. that's a good question you know mm -hmm. how are they how, yeah how are they undetected mm -hmm. i actually shed some light some light on yeah. this myself um EGTs and Bigfoot are one and the same because we're all one cohesive unit. The ETs, the ETs uh, refer to what, what we call it as like God as a higher being, and, and everything is made from that one source. And the Bigfoot, as we call them, the, the Sasquatch, um, they're able to go through different dimensions because up there or, or you know in space, there, there is no time. It's all, it's all now. And so they're able to go through these different dimensions and what they do is they mark their territory on different different time frames, and they're able to go back to those time frames to their territory. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, That's I, amazing. I actually explained to someone how um, yeah I'm I'm a physics fanatic right, and I'm just deeply into science and so forth. So I actually explained to someone how you can interpret moving between dimensions. Um, like the way I explained it, just to try to put in layman's terms, I said, imagine if your dimension was living room and that was all you knew was living room, right? And then, and my dimension was kitchen, living room. I'm in the kitchen. I see you walk, walking around this living room. I'm like, hey, I wonder what this, what they're doing over there. I walk through the doorway into the living room, but from your perspective, I just appeared out of nowhere. And it's like, holy cow, where'd this guy come from? And I'm trying to talk to you. You're freaking out. I'm like, oh, this, this, this person is clearly nuts, right? So I turn around. I go back into the kitchen. And then you see me walk into a wall and vanish, right? So to you, I have just clearly did something that's really outside of your scope of understanding, right? Mm -hmm. but, but to me, I just went from one room to the other. So for this, for this cryptid, it, it may be moving between dimensions, and it's perfectly natural for it to do this. Yes, all instantaneously. It doesn't see itself as doing anything magical or phenomenal. And to us, we're like, holy cow, this thing just cloaked and vanished. Right. You know, yeah, so yeah. That's everyday life to them, though. That's, that's everyday life. Like what we do exactly. is everyday that's life to them. Perfectly normal for them, you know. So, and that also blurs the lines on um, ghost investigations, uh, UFOs, cryptids, because you know that's the same thing. If you were doing a ghost investigation, you have no idea what that is either. You know, so many people have talked about the souls of the departed that are still lingering here. But what happens if we're dealing with just other dimensional beings, like you had said, somebody walks through a wall, and that's just their way of operating within their world? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's true. Right. All right, Matt, what's, what was your experience that you had? Uh, I don't have any personal experiences. We've just talked to a few people. I okay. do think it's an interdimensional thing, though, for sure, because uh, it's the best way to kind of hide itself, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like you brought up the gov our friends the government earlier, and if they really, if it was out there, like, all the time, and they really wanted to find it, they'd find it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, it's got to have somewhere to slip off to. Mm-hmm. That's true. Maybe, maybe, maybe they already know where it's at, Matt. <laughs> they may already. Yeah, they probably do. There's, there's, yeah. no, there's no urgency in looking for something when you already know what's there. Right. Oh. That would explain, you know, so many um, reports that we get and people that we've talked to um, that there's, you know, tracks in the snow, um, and then they just stop. A neighbor of mine had um, in in the snow. He said. Um, the, the track, the tracks actually went on for a mile from near his house and he walked back into the woods, it's still his property, and they went on for a mile and then they just like stopped, vanished. Well, I mean, there was nothing was, else, nothing yeah, else. That, 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 that happened to us too and you're making our film. Yes, yeah. That, 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 
that was their point of return right there is where they went back to the okay. other side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What else? That yeah. I experienced something like this too. And I documented it as well. It was a uh, snow day for my kids at school. Uh, so I, I opened up the door, went outside to see how bad it was. And uh, it was new fallen snow. So everything was really white and glittering and everything. And it was just as it was getting dawn outside. And I noticed there was some disruptions in my yard. And I got closer and it was these very small tracks about the size of a dollar bill. And um, they were barefoot, and, but they weren't very tall. They weren't very big. So I thought I will investigate this because I live near a wood line, right? And about 100 yards from the wood line is whenever the tracks began. But they didn't just begin. It was a right track, another right track, and then a left right track as if something took time to either materialize or stepped off of something. Um, and now remember, I'm, I'm a Bigfoot investigator, right? So it was as if they knew who I was or the happenstance of this happening just uh, by accident is almost too much because what happens was these tracks go up to my dining room window and appear to look in whatever because the tracks are facing my dining room window and then they go over a hill and they vanish again now remember this is snow right there's completely pristine there's no tracks of deer or anything else and just these barefooted tracks of about the you know the size of a, a 10 year old kid or whatever yeah. um and that's hard to, to to grasp because i'm skeptical by nature and i think we have to be in this field right yeah. but 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 something took time before it became a fully physical form. And then it left the same way. So I don't know how else to make any sense of that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's something else that kind of happened during the making of our film. Um, we were on our last investigation. I had a thermal camera and I saw something crawling down from the hill. And we is suspected, we suspected it being a Bigfoot just crawling up on us. And it crawled up to a log and then pushed up on a log and then kind of went back down and then disappeared, just vanished mm. off of thermal. And we're like, holy moly, how did that happen? How does how, how do you hide from thermal? Right. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, well, you, you know, at least we're going to be able to, you know, show the viewers this. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, when we get back, just that portion of the thermal, uh, that footage was corrupted. So we, I mean, we didn't even get to, to of show course, fans right. that, yeah, yeah. That, so many things happened to us that, you know, our footage ended up being corrupted. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was it took us years to make it just because of that. Wow. Well, that, that was their, that was their energy that corrupted the footage. Their energy didn't mm -hmm. disrupt the. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I mean, that's happened the, over and over and over again. Or, or the, or the energy of a portal opening. Yes. Something. Yeah. But uh, it, but no lie, it, something was crawling and then disappeared from from, mm. from not clear, but it was a thermal image. Yeah. This is a, a great discussion. So let me bring up this idea, and this is something I've been toying with for a while. What happens if these creatures are indeed pure energy? And that energy allows, that's the key to go in and between worlds. So what is actually happening, and that's the reason we don't get good photographs of them, or sometimes one person can see them and the other person can't. What happens if these are some sort of energy life forms 
that are able to project into us an image of they of, of what they want you to see. See, that would be a complete game changer at that point, because mm -hmm. as I get closer to my investigations and do more and more, these anomalous lights keep on reappearing again and again and again. Um, the first one I saw, and I didn't know what to expect of it, was about 20 years ago and i was out with another investigative partner and uh we were out in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden all around us in the air there was these sparks of static electricity it looks like somebody took a uh a, a, a blanket off of a bed in, in the winter time that kind of static electricity mm -hmm. and whatever happened we decided it was best to get out of there because we'd never experienced anything like this before. And the um discharge of electricity in the air as well too started to drain all of our equipment so as we go back to get to where we parked, which is about a mile and a half away, we notice that there is this brilliant white um, emanation of light. It, it just kind of came out of a pinpoint. It, it came to a fairly good size, and it looked almost like a sparkler because whenever it, when it dissipated, there was this kind of sparkly sensation as well, too. And we were kind of afraid because we had to go back that way. And when we got to the point where the light what, what appeared something now was on the right side of us following us in the woods so up until that time there was nothing going at all so was that something breaking into our world or was it you know of the portal as you said too my friend but the other thing i want to uh, point out really quickly as well too the last time i had any interactions with these lights as well it was preceded by the sound of wind chimes. It was a, it was some sort of frequency, and it was only three. It was like ding, 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 like that, as if there is a frequency out there, a vibration out there that is allowing these things to operate within our world. Or, like I said too, this might sound a little bit outlandish, but what happens if the sound that we're hearing and the lights that we see are indeed those things? Mm -hmm. Well, I really don't think that's outlandish at all because, mm. we, no. you know, when we first, when I first started um, actually having a lot of that activity, uh, I first started seeing orbs, right? And mm -hmm. I, I had not ever heard of orbs before until I actually saw them. And it right. took me some time to come to terms with what I was seeing because I'm not, they weren't supposed to be real, right? So mm -hmm. anyway, uh I'm there with my crewmate and we see these two glaring orbs. They're about 10 foot up and they almost look like eyes to me. And mm -hmm. I look at Brent and say, Brent, look at this. And he's like, what, where? And like right there in front of us, where it, you know, it, we, we kept on going back and forth. Like <laughs> that. He couldn't see them, but I could, oh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it took him months to be able to actually see these big, bright orbs come. They, they look like flashlights coming, yeah. you know, coming through the woods. They're really, really bright. You know, it took him months to be able to see them. But one thing that we've experienced with them is that they're either uh, under intelligent control or they're intelligent themselves mm -hmm. because they interacted with us. Uh, they've, they were not fleeting. They stayed around us for hours, lots of times. Mm -hmm. And they, they would, they would stay around with us so long that we would go back to camp and they would follow us. For, wow. For it's, it's funny yeah. when you mentioned, when you said that they're under a possibility of the possibility of them being under intelligent control, because, you know, I, I 
study this topic a lot and one some of the things i try to go into is looking at alternative theories about what could what these things could be and what could be influencing them and of course we you know mentioned the correlation between ufo sightings uh when i lived in florida in northport you had the a uh, lot of occurrences of orbs which was just south of the mayaka forest where the skunk ape is at and just north of where the of the famous uh, gulf breeze ufo sightings took place but i always think of things like in, in antiquity when you look at uh, when the Sumerians talked about the Anunnaki, and they and they and they talked about how that human races, uh, the human race was a hybrid uh, hybrid race created specifically to mine gold to help the Anunnaki to save their dying uh, planet, right? Mm -hmm. So, and and I've I kind of wondered if if they would take some uh, some of the early proto humans and create these genetic experiments to create a more modern human that they could control to use as a slave race to mine gold. I wonder if this is a case where, with the same thing with these beings, because, you know, you look at this correlation between UFOs and and uh, and um, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, Yeti, wherever you want to call it, Wendigo, and whatever part of the world it is. What if this is a hybridization experiment with their, that they are under intelligent control to serve whatever purpose uh, these other uh, beings need them to serve? And I wonder if this wow. is another another case. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Very possible. That is interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. They. They do all kinds of weird stuff that we don't know. It, it, it would make sense, you know? Yeah. We don't know for sure about any of this. And it, it is, it's very, and it seems the more that you um, get into investigation and the more evidence that it just, the weirder and weirder for me anyway. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people say the same thing, the weirder it gets. Oh yeah. Right, right, right. Now, about uh, seven years ago, I wrote a book about the history of of, of Bigfoot. It was called uh, uh, "On Wild Men: Tracking Bigfoot Through History." And when we look at at the Near East and in, in, in Europe, um, we see that the wild man has always been an archetypal character around the world. But at the very um, first instances of these of these beings, whether it be represented in in art or whether it would be represented in literature. Because remember, one of the first pieces of literature is the Epic of Gilgamesh. And we see a character in that much like a wild man that you would see here in America under the name of, of, of Sasquatch. But from the very beginning, you see these creatures attached to the other world. Now, of course, they weren't talking about UFOs and they weren't talking about, you know, known worlds, but there was an allusion to that, right? In a pre-scientific community, there will always be allusions to things. And I know that the one character uh, by the name of Enkaidu, uh, in the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, he was said to have been lifted up off of the earth and, and, and taken around in a chariot, which seems remarkably like some sort of ufo abduction right mm -hmm. and um so we do know that there has been some fascination with these creatures tied also to the other world or space or what have you uh the other th interesting thing that i wanted to point out too is that in um in uh the uh pacific northwest the bigfoot creature up there is much more spiritual and it acts as a psychopompus which is the conveyor of human souls to the other side. So again, very interesting. I mean, we see Bigfoot um, basically as as interlopers within the legend, right? We're injecting our uh, 21st century biases and opinions into a world that at once was much more spiritual and more, form more foreign than we could possibly comprehend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Do, yes. do you think well, there is. Oh, uh, 
Bob That's asked, it. has anybody had a dog man experience or do you think they're kind of related or people think they see a dog man, but as a Bigfoot? Well, I've I had a, a dog man experience myself, but we're going on the hunt for the dog man in our second film. Uh -huh. We're going to the land between the lakes to, uh, to, to go uh -huh. on the hunt. Uh -huh. <laughs> Well, so there's years. a lot of activity going down there right now. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, a so. few years ago here, um, my husband was, um, and this was before we, I don't think it wasn't before we began to get evidence here, um, which we bought the house in 2017. And in April of 2018 is when we had the first evidence that uh, it's like, okay, we can't, we can't continue, you know, to ignore this. It was a massive footprint, uh, bare, you know, footprint in the gravel um, backyard. And, um, but anyway, but I think in between this time, maybe shortly thereafter, my husband walked up to our, we have a compost pile, um, which is, you know, in the corner of a property. And he said this thing that looked like a big black dog was, he thought maybe eating at the, but it then like, kind of not, it didn't get up on, on two legs. It wasn't that it kind of, but got up and it saw him and ran off. And he mm -hmm. said it was like almost supernatural how fast this thing could run. Oh, God. So now, and it looked like a big black dog. Now, you know, who knows what, um, he isn't into cryptids like I am. So I was like, maybe it's a dog. And he's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but I, so I don't know. Other than that, I haven't, well, there are there are different races of 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 a as we call the Bigfoot Sasquatch. They're they're good and they're bad, and of course there's different colors uh, to their skin and fur too. And some of the uh, people that I've worked with have encountered you know ra rather pleasant uh, Bigfoot experiences, but there has been a few that has been negative. Now the negative ones, uh, they're the ones that really like to protect their area, their territories. They don't like anybody invading their space. Whereas the pleasant ones, they don't mind a little bit of interaction, and some people may experience what looks like dog creatures. Those are uh, more of a uh, younger uh, uh, form of Bigfoot. And they do kind of have, mm -hmm. in some cases, can have like a dog face. But there again, it can be mis misidentifications as well. Does the panel think Sasquats are spiritual like we are? Gary Spikes wants to know. I'd say yeah. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Guaranteed. I think anything that's tied that closely to nature has to be, right? Yeah. Uh, just by the very nature of its existence. Now, the good thing about Bigfoot is that uh, it would not be tied up in the idea of religion, right? Because in many ways, religion it is an enemy of God because religions tell you how you should come to the divine whenever you're, you know, whenever you're on this kind of path of nature and the divine is all around you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think yeah. these things are, I think these things are so close to nature and, and, you know, may, maybe that is their religion. Maybe they just uh, see themselves as protectors of their surroundings, mm -hmm. um, whether they, whether they're doing it for their own self-preservation to keep human beings out or whether they actually see that space as a sacred space. Um, mm -hmm. if you look at their encounters with, uh, even native Americans, like throughout the Pacific Northwest and things like that, you kind of get that impression. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you heard stories about them living, or coexisting peacefully. And then you've heard other stories where the encounters ultimately went south to where they were, they were almost at war with these type of creatures. Mm -hmm. But I do, I, I do think that they, that they're spiritual, but just not in the same way we are. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. 
Do you think they're they know more they know more about the afterlife and all that than we do? Yeah, <laughs> they probably they, they can they probably, yeah. they can they they can go from one to the other so they know they know twice more about it than we do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah and believe it or not, they're they're healthier than we are because they they off of nature land and nature, whereas we out of the grease right. and that and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you're not gonna see one of them pulling up to a drive-through, getting a, yeah. <laughs> get a number now, hold two, up. Get a, now wait a two and asking to supersize it. <laughs> now, <laughs> now they they are known to dumpster die. I well, was yeah, just going to say that. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so they do crave that peanut butter that people feed them, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And Oreo cookies and Snicker bars. It depends on what area you're at. So, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, one of these days, somebody's going to get so full, you'll be able to run one of these things down yourself. <laughs> well, we yeah. got a guy in our audience, and I, I hate to bring up his name, Brian. <laughs> Sweet he love. fed these things. You know those Costco's, those Super Walmart's, or whatever mm -hmm. Sam's peanut butter jars? The big ones. Oh, yeah. Six to nine of those a week for almost two years. And he got sick, and he couldn't go out and feed them. Well, these damn things got mad and took it up to the neighbor's house. Throwing the empty yeah. jars at the neighbors' houses, banging on the houses' walls. Uh, it got so bad the the fish and wildlife got involved. Oh but they would God. never call them Sasquatch. They call them bears. Bears. So yes, because that's what bears do. <laughs> throw right. jars. At us. <laughs> well, who, like who, kids who, have tantrums. Well, who can resist the the creamy taste of Jif? <laughs> well, we have found out. Now I know this sounds funny. They do not like crunchy peanut butter. Mm -hmm. No, I don't Brian, either. Yeah, yeah, I don't either. Yeah. yeah. But Brian put this to the theory. You know how they come in different colors. He changed right. the color lids and they still knew better. Mm -hmm. All right, so, right, right, uh, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They're they're pretty intelligent. Okay, I have a all hi Xander. I love that's hey, my Xander. son, Xander. Hi, Xander. Hey, now Xander. I'm gonna ask the question I was gonna ask. I'll wait anyway. Um <laughs> <laughs> so what was one of the questions, Grizzly, you did where all the psychics we listened to a, an audio of Bigfoot? <clears throat> and the how, Sierra sounds, Ron Moore. That yeah, was more great. Have you yeah, have you all heard? Uh, that was the first time I ever heard them speak like that. I've never heard it before. The samurai chatter. And... Yeah. So I found yeah. out uh, by Ron, that was him egging them on. I was like, mm -hmm. damn it, Ron. I was like, I was telling everybody I would choco that son of a gun <laughs> and, and put them in a choco and make them pass out because he's over there aggravating them. Yeah. You know? He didn't know what they were. You know, like he said, he didn't. they didn't know what they were. And they said I was 29 years old. I was, you know, undisturbed. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what are your takes on the uh, Sierra sounds? The what? The so Sierra what's everybody's sound. take on the Sierra sounds? What they sound. call them? Yeah. I mean, I think they're, you know, they're obviously they're legitimate, um, and they've been studied so by by professional, you know, linguists. Um, Scott Nelson just is so. Uh, oh my gosh, he's so overqualified, really. You know, um, to and he said that there's definitely a pattern of speech that he mm. could. That he could decipher um so i think it's really yeah super interesting um yeah, that, that, that chatter is pretty yes it's pretty odd when you listen to it because it's it's yeah they're clearly something that they they can understand between the, the method mm -hmm. of communication it's really impressive though 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've heard it in person too. I mean, the, the, it's kind of what it sounds like to us. And it sounds like somebody's talking, but you can't quite make out what the words that they're saying. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've experienced that a lot. And it's kind of a little freaky, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've I've appeared at two different conferences with uh, Mr. Moorhead and, uh, and he is a very legitimate human being. You know, he's genuine. He's really looking for the answer. And if any of your listeners are interested in his take on things, uh, he just recently wrote a book. I think it's about two years old called uh, the quantum Bigfoot, which looks at Bigfoot from a completely different angle than it being um, flesh and uh, flesh and blood. So yeah, the, uh, uh, it's a very good book. Yeah, excellent. Interesting. Excellent book. Yep. Um, so uh, we've also uh, found out that by his sounds, right, a lot of people hear the similar sounds like you just said. And uh, we also, by witnesses, said that usually it's the male Bigfoot getting hollered at by the woman to leave the humans alone and they're arguing. And yeah, the the usually yeah. saves the male Bigfoot from attacking. What's your all's take on that? It seems natural to me. I yeah. mean. Typical woman, yeah. Typical. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> yeah. Trying to just keep the peace. Um, I I have one that I um he sounds kind of like the Snuffleupagus on 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 Sesame Street. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Grizzlies heard it, um, and just has this distinctive like snort. And um, but he seems to have a pattern where he it almost sounds like he's counting and he's like grunting and and but I feel like it's a form of he's talking and he's <clears throat> maybe instructing the little ones or trying to keep them, you know, keep the keep maybe if they're being naughty or whatever. Um, Cause I, they like to run on my roof. I've never seen it, but I've heard it. And wow. seen so what my, my roof would have. Yeah. <laughs> so what about the different forms of communication that you got though? Cause you got the, you got the chattering, right. Then you got the, the, the yells, you know, mm-hmm. the, the people have heard like whistles and then of course the wood knocks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it I'm wondering, like, for example, why they don't have a standardized form of communication or if each type of communication just serves a different purpose. Like maybe the wood knocks they feel as a way of warning another uh, another squad when humans are in the area, but not trying to reveal their actual position or, you know, I just wonder why they have so many different methods of communication and what, what, what purposes they serve. So the theory is behind that, and that is a very good question, mm-hmm. is that they look at the, the national tribes in America, right, and indigenous people, mm-hmm. and they look at the different languages they speak, Cherokee and the ones across. Now, we know by witnesses that uh, you can say OCO, and they will get responses back in that native language. But you take that language to go across the United States, or further down south and see that, and you don't get a response, or they respond back to you in a different type of native language. Mm-hmm. Uh, which are all state mm-hmm. on that? Mm-hmm. I was going to say the same thing. You know, uh, just like languages are different. Mm-hmm. Say, like in Europe, you know, you just you don't go too far, and you've got a completely different language. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be the same way. I mean, it, you know, just, maybe they just don't interact with each other like the ones in the south don't interact with the ones out west. So they don't have the same language, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I know that mimicking, I'm sorry, I've heard the mimicking um, owls and frogs and ducks. Um, And so I think that just their, you know, their method of communication is just different. 
obvious mm -hmm. looks, you know, then, then well, it's like mm -hmm. the one Barb had, you know, the, the damn thing went, ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell? Did you just give up? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be a duck anymore. Quack, quack. Yeah. Or whatever it did. And it's just <laughs> yes, like, oh. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the question is for everybody, have y'all ever had any telepathy, telepathy, mind speak telepathy, with these yeah. creatures? I have not. any mental. Mm -mm. Not with no, the, but uh, go ahead. I said not not with the uh, Bigfoot, but I have had with with the ETs. But I do mm -hmm. know that the uh, but the male I do know the male Bigfoots do have a more of a deeper voice, and the females don't. And the reason that the females are so protective of us is because the males tend to uh, be a little bit more aggressive because they, they they want our food or they want our belongings, different things. The females kind of have a heart, and, and, and they know that we don't want them them taking our stuff. So the females, well, a lot of times, they, they, they will they'll fight with the males yeah. to keep to keep them off of us. It, it is that's interesting. Uh, it was funny because Rebecca was like, uh, "I'm glad that uh, Bigfoot is something." I have to go back and read her comment, bitching about <laughs> something. It was funny. It made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Put it back up, Rebecca, so I can post it. But uh, but what's your old take oh. on that? Yeah. Uh, about about what now? Are we still on the language order? What are we on now? <laughs> about the mind speak. Oh, the mind speak. Yes, yes, yes. So, so I've never witnessed anything like that. But uh, I, I, I am a big proponent of uh, of uh, using infrasound. Right. I do think that infrasound is used in a lot of cases uh, because I've been in the woods, and although I didn't hear anything come into my mind, I did have this uh, flight or fight response. Uh, coming very, you know, very primordial feeling like, you know, I this is almost a vestigial type of emotion that very few people get to witness. But it's almost as if we're back on the savannah being stalked by a lion, right? Something along those mm -hmm. lines. Uh -huh. And it, it just gives you that feeling that we got to get out of this area. Same. Yes, same. Yeah. That's that's yeah. that's interesting. So it was almost like something primal, something that's deep within your DNA that says something's not right, and we we don't we don't need to be here. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And you know how we know about it? Getting back, going almost full circle. The reason why we know so much about infrasound is because it has a military capacity. Right? It's a way that you could say territorial without being combatant right mm -hmm. so we do know that people can use infrasound to uh you know have a, a basically a border uh where your enemy won't uh transgress because of the strange things could happen uh, one of the studies done by msnbc and i again this is probably about 20 years ago uh, stated that there was an overwhelming feeling of the paranormal and when pressed a little bit further to get kind of a definition for that, it was a feeling that there was something in the room with you, hearing things that weren't there. Um, you know, so so infrasound is a true scientific, uh, you know, uh, thing out there in nature. Uh, we know that you know crocodiles use it, alligators use it, elephants, uh, you know, uh, a, a lot of different cetaceans, uh, and we also know that um, like you know tigers use it and all this stuff as well too. So we do know that mammals are capable of producing infrasound and if i were an animal and i knew that human beings were dangerous to me and but i still had to live in and around their territory the evolution of a defense mechanism like uh, infrasound would be invaluable and i think that's used a lot of the times mm -hmm. and that's how i would classify the mind speak to is using the infrasound 
uh, to give you that feeling of dread, you know, yes. hey, don't come here. That's how I would define it. And it's really how uh, we classified it as in our film. But I wouldn't really, I've never experienced any telepathy, so to speak. Right. Yeah, right. I, I experienced that. It, and I've interviewed people where it feel like they would come in contact with this creature uh, haphazardly, you know, just out in the woods and all of a sudden they step into its territory and they talk about feeling like they got punched in the chest to the point that they actually got knocked over. Um, uh, so, yeah, these kind of things are, are, I, I truly believe is whenever people also witness Sasquatch or Bigfoot or whatever you want to call it, they're witnessing it not only visually and auditorily, but almost fundamentally, yeah, you know, with, with within themselves as well too the very fiber of their being is torn apart hmm. yeah i experienced infrasound um last october uh not this past october a year ago in in 2022 um for the first time and it was the, it was right after i heard one grunt at me for the first time and um and i heard the grunt twice and i and but then i thought I kind of stepped back and I thought, wait, was that, did that really, you know, did that really happen? Like, is that my imagination? And I thought there was one more area that I was, I was in the woods and I was investigating. There was one more area that I wanted to get closer to. And all of a sudden I was hit by this overwhelming, like vertigo, um, stick to my stomach, but not, not like I was going to throw up, but just such terrible vertigo. And I thought, oh my gosh, am I having a heart attack or a stroke or something? You know, I didn't, I didn't know, mm -hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about infrasound at that. I know I didn't know about you know about it, and I thought, wow. And and so I'm thinking, oh my gosh. I and I'm I'm so fatigued, um, and I'm so I'm, I just kept walking, and then all of a sudden it just like left me. The feeling completely left me. It was like I was absolutely normal, but mm -hmm. I realized I was, I was walking the wrong way. I would not have been able to get back to my house that way, and so I'm like, well, that was so bizarre. Um, so corrected my course and I'm walking and it hit me and it ha hit me again. And really mm. the only way I made it like to my, to the property line, um, was I just had, I just kept looking at like a corner of the uh, garage roof, our garage roof. And I was like, I just have to keep walking toward that. Keep walking toward that. I was really afraid that I was having a heart attack or a stroke or something. Mm. Um, kind, and, of, kind of, uh, reminiscent of the infra, the infrasound attacks at the embassy. Yeah, mm -hmm. same, the same symptoms they experience there. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. and, and me and when I when I got to the edge of the, I mean, the property line, it completely stopped like nothing. I mean, I was completely normal. I didn't even have that, um, like you know, some people will feel bad for a few days, or you know, they'll feel fatigued. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. It was the same with us once once we got out of that area. Perfectly yeah. fine. Mm -hmm. It's because of the energy that they, that they leave there. They, they put their energy in that area because mm -hmm. that's how they communicate with each other is through energy and um, and uh, you know the vibrations and what have you. So when you walk into their their field of energy, of course they can handle it better on the weekend due to their weight and size and uh, and they're of course they're accustomed to it. We walk into that area, we as being of a lesser energy field, we, we take in that energy and they can be it can be harmful because the more stronger their energy the more it affects us because we don't have the capabilities to uh, understand it or let alone handle it. That makes sense, yeah. So the do you frequency. think that they use it, Chris, do you think they use it as, they would use it as a method to, <clears throat> you know, to have got, get me out of there just to make sure I don't come closer? Or do yeah, you think I just walked in, into the, you know, their energy field maybe? I, I think he's going to ask that. What, what they do see is, is their energy field is, is so 
strong because each one of those has a different energy and mm -hmm. then they know the difference between they know the difference between one another like a female has one energy a male has a different one they know the difference and what they would do a lot of times is if somebody is off course or is on course or whatever they need mm -hmm. help they will give you a certain feeling to try to get you to halt and redirect yourself yeah and then they put you back on course a lot of, a lot of people i won't give out names but they go through similar things even with et contact and, and then they feel feel a little nice or disarranged. But then in the end, they realize, okay, if I hadn't felt this way, I would not have gotten where I needed to be. True. Yes. Has anyone uh, on an investigation tried to record these uh, infrasound events? Do you know? Hmm. I'm not aware I, of any of them. I record every time I'm out there usually, and I ask their permission. Um, <clears throat> as soon as I get into their area, but um, not so much the infrasound. I just want to see if I get any sounds or if I can even show up, have them show up on camera because sometimes they will. Yeah. Quite frankly, I just simply don't have the equipment to do it. I think that to measure infrasound, we have to have, you know, very specific type of gauged equipment. And I, I just don't have exactly. that. Hmm. Say, same with me. We may have it. I just don't have the equipment to, to be able to detect it. Mm -hmm. yeah. One thing to remember is if anybody yeah. does, if anybody does get anything on camera or film, make sure you make copies of it and then lock one up because otherwise it will get confiscated. Mm -hmm. That's true. So infrasound, uh, we used to have in law enforcement on the sirens called the rumbler. And what it would do is that if you were driving in traffic and I was approaching your vehicle and you didn't see me or hear me because of your music, it would vibrate your body. To get your attention, Whoa. and it's called what? the Rumble of Siren. I didn't know that. Wow. Yes, and Whoa. that's been out for years. Jeez. Well, that, expl that explains a lot. No. <laughs> no. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Wow. Yeah. I had no clue. Jimmy said from I just saw from Appalachian Trail. He said his his um message or his question got overlooked. I went I back to nine forty two. I didn't see it. Oh, so. it's not there. Okay. Yeah, Jimmy, if you could put it in all caps, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll get it answered. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, I have a gross question, but I'm I'm honestly interested. <laughs> do some people think that they mate with humans? What do you guys think? Don't judge me. I just want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Freak. Well, they say no. They, the awesome they, they have in the past. Yeah. They have. They have in, in because once we cross over or pass on, our consciousness still lives in, in, in like a chamber. Yeah. And then yeah. when it's our turn, we're able to come back as any form we want, whether it be animal, ET, or even Bigfoot. Huh. So, and then, of course, our memories are erased so that way we don't remember anything from our, from our previous life because we start fresh and start new. But however, right. we, we can still, we can still, if the love and bond was strong enough, and when we come across somebody we once knew, we can still project some of those feelings back out. Yeah. 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 A couple of months ago, I was watching a program about this idea of uh, Bigfoot mating with women. It was on about three o'clock in the morning on Cinemax. I did get a lot of value out of it, but I will tell you this. Um, there has been a case back in... <laughs> there has been a case... Back in 1924, where Albert Othman uh, was abducted. <laughs> I just thought I'd see who would catch on to that. So, uh, yeah, Albert Austin was abducted, uh, and he was taken to a, 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 a place where 
a family of Bigfoot had gathered, and he firmly believed he was gifted to the teenage female Bigfoot that was there. So uh, no mating occurred or anything like that. But uh, um, I okay. So let me ask yeah, you guys this question. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. You know. I got my kinks, my friend. I got my kinks. Hey, so anyway. <laughs> oh, I don't like where any of the story's going. <laughs> we need to get out of the ditch. Hey, guys, I have a real question for you. I, I have a real question for you. Okay, so when we talk about Bigfoot, and all over the world has these things, right? So let me ask you a question. How did it get to Australia if the Yowie does indeed exist? My theory is it may have entered Australia in utero. They what? Yep. <laughs> so, so my theory is this. My theory is this, okay? That if indeed there is a ape or whatever, if it's a flesh and blood animal, how would it have gotten to Australia? And getting back to what Lala said, one of my theories is if that it does exist as a flesh and blood being, if we're just going flesh and blood, right? Right. That one of the ways it might have gotten there is by a female mating with one and mm -hmm. the female taking it there, the human female taking it there, rather than it independently evolving in Australia. Right. Or it could came that, on a ship, right? Yeah. 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 Well, we're – yeah, the, the Australian people were some of the oldest in, uh, in the world, right? I mean, we have instances there of going back – 55,000 years ago. So we're going deep into the prehistoric past here. Uh, so like I said, that's, and I will tell you though, um, when we talk about the Nephilim, which we haven't talked about, but you know, one of the theories is that these creatures were, were mating with, with, with human women. And that was just a, a an explanation for what was going on in the near East uh, regarding these Bigfoot like creatures and women. So. Yeah, and if you take the Cherokee story, the Sukalu, um, if you familiarize yourself with that, the, the answer to Lala's question would be yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, they would. Right, and that's interesting that you brought up the Nephilim because there's, there's, I have, we could have a whole other discussion on that too because I've, I've had theories that go back to even that time when you talk about the Nephilim and the fallen ones and, uh, you know, how they were. Because uh, even Native Americans talk about, you know, the red-haired, red-haired, red-haired giants and, Absolutely. and then trapping them in the cave in, in, <clears> uh, in gotta... the canyon and so forth. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but it's pretty interesting. You gotta... you... Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say, you got to remember, too, that since they're able to time travel through these portals, that they can have a, a love affair in one time frame. And they, they can go back and come back and forth and see that loved one. So, actually, the, 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 they're one they love doesn't necessarily die because they can go back and and go Aww. back and relive that that affair. Yeah. I, I I tended to think that they're that they're doing this interdimensional travel through portals. Also, because you look at the like the locations that which they've been spotted, like you mentioned the Yowie, you know, in the in the uh, you know their relationship with the Aboriginals in the outback, and then uh, you have in the Ohio Grassman in Florida, you got the skunk ape in uh, mm -hmm. Nepal, you have the Yeti, uh, in uh, you have the Wendigo in Canada, you've got. Um, uh, what was it in Mongolia? You have the Almas. You have all these different, um, these different variants of this. And you have one in China, which is called the Yeren. In Japan, is the uh, what is it, the Hebegon or something like that. And you have all these different variants of the same animal with slight differences. Like some are a little bit taller, some are a little mm -hmm. bit bulkier, some are a little heavier, some are a little lighter. Mm -hmm. But it it all seems to be tied into the same cryptid in the same way that you have humans of different types. You know, different uh, ethnicities and uh, 
geological or geographical background. So you have the same thing with these cryptids as well. But if they came in utero, that that's something that would be in that. I didn't even think about that because. Yeah. Well, whatever I was thinking thinking about the Nephilim. So a lot of people say that, you know, and this is a common thing. Whenever you look at, you know, Greco Roman history, uh, they always set their foundations in the distant past and it's always heroes, right? I mean, that's what we're dealing with there. You know, the Joseph Campbell type of thing that these great civilizations came from some sort of hero's quest, right? And as we can see more often than not, uh, whenever we come to uh, the, 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 the Judaic uh, uh, scriptures, we see often that they're, they're, the heroes have to confront a, a giant of some kind, right? Mm-hmm. And getting back to Lala, do they mate with women or whatever? Uh, it, it, it was, it's been said in some uh, Jewish uh, 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 commentaries that um, Goliath had a hundred fathers to show that there was this constant kind of, you know, lascivious nature to these beings, right? So mm-hmm. I think whenever we're dealing with these things, we, we almost have to see it from the perspective in which it was written, because that really informs us what they thought, what 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 the people at that particular time was thinking, right? And it, mm-hmm. it, it shows that, uh, as somebody had said too about, we're talking about uh, different Native American cultures as well too, it does show that at least in the distant past, there was much more interaction between humans and whatever these creatures are. So, like you said, my friend, about Lovelock Cave and everything like that, right? Where we would have separate groups living, uh, and then there would be uh, battles, things would come to a head, things would become explosive. So I think that um, we probably did have much more interaction with these creatures in a pa- in the past, and it might have been relatively recently that we started to have this separation. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you on that one, one hundred percent. Like I said, just looking at what of uh, what you know, just stories from various indigenous people of the different geographical backgrounds. I mean, you know, they seem to when they talk about the past, they talk about an almost harmonious relationship. Yes. With, yep. with these types of beings, well, you know, and then when seem, they seem to have grown apart. Mm-hmm. When they do form an attachment to to a human, like a love attachment, or maybe a mother or father type type attachment. When they come around, they usually will leave a gift. If you look, if you go look, there will, there will be a gift left. Like there'll be a, uh, it could be flowers or it, it could be something they took from from another dimension. But they will bring you a gift and leave it there. That is their mm-hmm. way of saying that we were here. I've, I've heard the same thing. I've in research. I've heard the same thing. That's pretty amazing. You know? <laughs> the woman and the woman that took the famous photo of the Florida skunk ape. I mean, one of the things that she kept doing was that initially was like putting she was, it was stealing apples off her back porch or whatever. And then, <laughs> She kept putting them out there, and ultimately she went out one day and she snapped a famous photo and and this giant thing that looks almost like I don't know well it can only be one thing, and it's it's so hilarious because what are, what does everybody say they go how come every photo you see of Bigfoot is always this fuzzy blurry photo, and then mm-hmm. when people start coming back with modern technology smartphones and they're creating these crystal clear images or fairly clear images the first thing people say is fake they put, yeah they blow up the copy <laughs> fake fake it's like okay so what do you want you ask right. for a clear image you got a clear image there's mm-hmm. nothing about this come on you can even look at the patterson gimlin film i mean come on they analyzed the heck out of 1967 they analyzed it bluff creek they analyzed the heck out of this thing people still think that this is uh, a man in a costume even yeah. though even though anatomically the, the 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 skeletal joints do not line up with a human being with that of a of a human being 
And mm -hmm. they've even gone back and looked at it in comparison to uh, objects in the area now that they know the exact area now. And, and they could tell by the size that it was large. It, they could see the breasts. You could see it, it was, you could see the muscle structure underneath the, this, this costume. Yeah. And but yet people will still look at this and be like fake. It's like no, mm -hmm. we they've been everything from primatologists to you know they've already pretty much sealed the deal that this is a legitimate film. Yes, because right. even even right. Hollywood, um, the best the best you know special effects people and 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 Walt Disney they were asked and they said no, we we did not have the technology back then to do anything yeah. like that. And so these well, these two guys were who were just like regular ranchers you know from Washington yeah. State. They put out what I don't know what that would have been a hundred thousand dollars at that time. I don't know fifty thousand. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it was it was uh, a it was uh, was uh, Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin. I mean, he's, yes. they were they were like amateur Bigfoot hunters. They were out yes. there all day. They were out there all day looking for this thing. They didn't and just out of the blue when they're ready to pack it in for the night. Yep. They, they, they're back and they stumble across this thing walking across Bluff Bluff Creek. Bluff Creek. And they used their last, I forgot how many feet of yeah. film, 100, 100 feet of film, and they got this short, and, and we've analyzed this thing over and over for decades, and we it came to the conclusion that this is not a fake. I mean, but yet people will still, and I think what will happen is this. You got some people, one school of thought says nobody will be satisfied until a body comes back, right? So you got people out there that actually think they're going to hunt this thing and kill it and bring back a body. You got other people that are looking for photographic or other types of scientific evidence. You know, DNA evidence comes back. What is it? What is it usually? Uh, part human, part unknown. Inconclusive. It's always inconclusive. Then what's going to happen is you'll get that one day where somebody will actually come back with a body and I guarantee you this thing will be on a slab and they'll be doing an autopsy and you will have half the half the world saying fake yeah mm -hmm. until i can actually touch it myself it's a fake and then if they were there touching it they say oh this can't be this must be some type of yeah. deformed animal so i've just come to the conclusion that you know i'm i'm trying to find this evidence for myself you know for self satisfaction right. if people believe it they believe it if they don't they just don't yeah that's good I don't care if it's a Bigfoot or aliens or paranormal. Unless you're an experiencer, you're going to have a better skepticism. Once yeah. you become an experiencer, then you start taking more of a, well, okay. Yeah. How many how many times have you seen the, uh, you know, I used to be a skeptic story? You know, or you heard um, that? I was a skeptic until then. They had this themselves, and all, all of a sudden they're a believer. Yeah. Or I was even a skeptic <laughs> about ghosts until I saw one. <laughs> yeah. 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 And realize they do exist. Mm -hmm. They do exist. Yeah, yeah. like the Eminem commercial. They do exist. Uh -huh. <laughs> the, the, the mount, oh, yeah, Santa Claus. Yeah, the, the, mountain, <laughs> the mountain gorilla was a myth at one time, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, the giant squid was a was a story that sailors used to tell, and it, it wasn't real, and they were all drunk and blah. There was always something. And then what happens? Japanese ship drops bait. It Get, it gets a video, it gets video of like this thirty foot, thirty six foot long giant squid for the first time ever. It makes international news, and in the meantime, you find blue whales with these sucker marks all over them, where they've been in battles with this uh, giant squid. They apparently this is their food. They eat them. They found them in the stomachs of blue whales. Now, they find them in fishing nets. So one time, this thing was a cryptid. It was an unknown, and now we know definitively that they exist. We've found the corpses we found them and stuff we know that they're there same thing with the mountain you can see a mountain gorilla in a zoo now i think the mountain gorilla was first um dis discovered i think it was like in 19 it was in the early 1900s i don't know if it was 1923 1908 but that was the first time 
Yep. Komodo Dragon was in like the 1920s. Uh, yeah. The Coelacanth, all this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, the Coelacanth, yeah. They were all, yeah, the Coelacanth was supposed to be extinct for what, like 23 million years or something yeah. like that. I forgot what the date was, but it was a, and all of a sudden they found it, uh, was it off the coast of like Africa or something? Yeah, Madagascar, yeah. Yeah. What is yeah. that? The Coelacanth is, is a, it's a prehistoric fish. And they thought they've only they've only found like they've only uh, for a while they only found uh, uh, fossilized seal camps and they thought it was extinct and they they mm -hmm. found them swimming in the ocean, flourishing without any hardly any evolutionary change whatsoever. The ocean's a pretty static environment, but you would still think there would be some evolution. Uh, but no, you know, getting back to the idea of two of uh, of uh, uh, portals and things like that, it would seem as if something from the very distant past just appeared in our world. Mm -hmm. That that would be crazy if it just came through a yeah. portal and just happened to be here. Yeah. That's right. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I think we should get a show together sometime and talk Nephilim, though. I think we should. I, would I think love this that. would be a good <laughs> panel to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's. Right. I, 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 I had a big it's discussion on the podcast about the Nephilim and co you know connections with the spirit <clears throat> with the spirit world and and so yeah, that's something Jeez. that would be a really good discussion. Do you mm -hmm. think that our negative blood is con connected? to Nephilim or I, I'm trying to find out answers on O negative. That's what I am. But nobody knows anything about Are you are you O? I'm A negative. Yeah. Yeah. Is it there's a lot of a lot of women that have um you know that uh, I guess what would you say? Like we just we see things and have encounters and stuff and a lot of us have the RH negative right. factor, which right. yeah. What do you Christopher, do you know anything about that? Because that what do you think about that? Is there any connection? Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, a, lot, a lot of it has to do with, of course, with your positivity levels and your energy levels. But like, like you're talking about being negative and positive. Um, you usually, I know this is going to sound weird, but women can have easier communications with not only ETs but as well as uh, Bigfoot as well because they're um, the, 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 as a female you have more of a uh, range of being able to see compared to a male because most men do have a little bit of skepticism in them. Whereas women are more open and they, they have more of abilities to, uh, for, for, like a woman would see, uh, have, have a UFO sighting probably quicker than, than a male would. In fact, I work with a lot of experiencers that um, that the females seem to be more, I don't want to use the term target, but they seem to be more of a um, communication wise. And they, they, can, they can even telepathically communicate with ETs better than men. But in some cases, uh, a man can strike up a friendship with, let's say, a Bigfoot or an ET and develop more of their uh, psychic abilities to communicate. Uh, as a female, women can be more psychic and, and have abilities quicker than men. But over time, with with proper training, communication, men can become just as just as equal. Mm -hmm. And um, that that's why you'll find with if you go through a list of like ET experiences or even Bigfoot stories, you'll find it seems to be more the female it seems to outnumber the sightings and the experiences compared to men. But it's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You think that there's a, uh, you think that there's a, because um, when you when you mentioned about, for example, these connections, I, I always think of like a Skinwalker Ranch because they, this is this seems to be a point of convergence for for many different types of energies or maybe one type of energy. But you have the Bigfoot, uh, the the Bigfoot enigma there. You have the what they call Skinwalkers, but you also have. UFOs, the Sherman family, when they were in Homestead 2, or not the, yeah, before the, before the Sherman family, I forgot the family's name, when they were in Homestead 2, they reported shadow people, they reported 
uh, alien encounters trying to take away the wife when he actually had to chain his wife to the bed and he what? shot at it with an assault rifle. Um, yeah, they kept they kept abducting his wife. They had when the Sherman family took over, they found in Homestead too. They found these massive chains uh, on the doors that were obviously held big guard dogs. So I wonder if you know you got this. What is it about locations like that, right, where you have this convergence of energies where you're seeing not only uh, Bigfoot or dogmen and, and skinwalkers and, and ghosts and shadow people and UFOs all in one location? Does this mean that does this mean that they they are aware of each other or this just maybe that this location is like a ley line conversion and it offers a good point of entry uh, into this realm. Yeah, bingo. I think that is the point. Here in America, we don't talk about ley lines very much, but I know one of our was researching over in England, you know, that's the big thing. And the idea that there's nodules or nodes naturally occurring um, spots in our Earth's grid that has, you know, more energy release than other areas. I think that we are forgetting is sometimes to find the key to the future, we have to look into the past. And I think the ley lines is one of the most uh, convenient and logical explanations we have for a lot of these questions. Gene Hudson wants to know, how long has the panel been researching the forest people or Bigfoot? I'll be right back. I'm getting a glass of water real quick, okay? okay. I have Sorry. been <laughs> actively researching them for um, over a year when I had the first encounter, like I said, where that were that that grunt, and then I was hit with the infrasound. Um, but prior to that, I I kind of have a lifelong obsession with them. But it is like I think somebody, one of you, had mentioned that um, you know even though you believe that they exist until you actually until I actually heard it and you know and saw, then like oh wow, they really really do. Yeah. So anyway, so that's my Matt. Answer. What do you? What about you? I've uh, ever since I've seen Harry and the Hendersons, I've been very interested in the phenomenon. I've never really gotten out there and kind of scoped it out and tried to investigate it, um, but I've definitely had like watched plenty of videos and was very interested in the subject, you know. Mr. Murphy, Ron, we'll go to Christopher. What about you? Sorry, my stuff. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, uh, thirty right. years. I've been investigating all my life for thirty years academically. Interesting, <clears throat> Christopher. Very cool. Yeah, I've always had a fascination not only for a big footbat as well as ETs. In fact, I still communicate with my ET friends occasionally, um, and, and they've often told me that you know because we're all one cohesive unit, that that what the ETs want us to do is they want our positivity levels and our to, to raise our vibration levels, to raise up to their level, because once we get to their level, we can then begin to not only travel through time and portals and different different things, but once we get to their level, which is what they've been trying to do for years, or it's hard to get everybody on the same page. Once we get up to that level, we will then be able to communicate not only easier and more active with them, like I have before, but also be able to interact with the Bigfoot and other areas. But it's getting us to that level, and I've been researching and had fascination for this since since the day I was born, pretty much, I, I always knew I had a connection in some ways. Interesting. Greg? A little over a decade for me. Mark? About the same. <clears throat> Mostly for me, it's a, a lot of data and, and analytical research. Um, but also, I've been fascinated by this topic since, since childhood, since the old days of 
Fate Magazine and In Search Of and all these other great shows. I, I just couldn't tear, couldn't be torn away from the topic. And how does everybody find you and get a hold of you and follow you? Start with Barb. Sorry, I had to, my dog was barking. I <laughs> muted myself. I <laughs> I um, can be found on Facebook, No Drama, Bigfoot, and Cryptids Facebook page. And I have a, um, a YouTube channel that I put a few of my, just some of the, the best videos and whatever, you know, audio that I come up with. I have that on there too, but. Yeah. Awesome, Matt. Uh, we got a mostly ghostly page on Facebook and our YouTube page is Boombastic Media. Interesting. Mr. Murphy. Uh, 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 the, the Facebook, the, all the kids are using that nowadays. So uh, it's Ronald Murphy on Facebook. Christopher? Yes, that can be found on Facebook. It's a Crappie King, Christopher Harmon. And you can also subscribe to our YouTube page at um, Something Wicked Paranormal Investigations and watch all our shows. And I teach a psychic class uh, a couple nights a week, and I teach, I'm teaching another round in January. And anybody mm -hmm. can sign up. It's a it's $100 for an eight-week course, and you become a psychic remote viewer, and you also learn how to time travel, heal, and influence. Interesting. Great. I can be, I can personally can be found on uh, Facebook and so can uh, relicfilms.net and relic films on uh, Facebook. And Mr. Bart. Yeah, I can be found on Facebook uh, under uh, dark doorway. And I can also be found on darkdoorway.com where my podcast resides. And uh, obviously, you know, all the famous podcatchers, Spotify, iTunes, wherever dark doorway. Absolutely. That's been great. We think Lola. This was wonderful. You guys come back whenever you want. I, I had so much fun. So thank you very much. Thank you. Very thank you. And from yeah. coast to coast around the world, everybody will catch you on the next show. Good night, everybody. Hi, everybody. Take care. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.